Ben. Hi, how are you guys? Hi. Well, Ben, we uh, have officially invited Tasia to be my co-host. So yeah. um, he is here He's... to provide some some comic relief, uh, a little bit more. Um... Thanks, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> He's like he's like he's like your Andy Richter. That's it. That's the little. Who's Andy Richter? No, nah, we're, Co- we're we're too young to get that reference, Ben. Oh, he was he was Conan's co-host. <laughs> he's really oh. good. Yeah, yeah, he's a career. Everything's great. Um, well, I think that's a compliment for you, Tasia. That's fine. Yeah. I think it's a compliment nice. for you. Nice, nice, nice little backhand compliment. That's good. <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> So I, I know we have a plan to talk to Ben about how he hires salespeople and uh, his views on doing it well. But Ben used to be a mountaineer and used to, and you know this about him, I think, right? And he used to live in Wyoming and Montana yeah. what? And, and climb mountains and like yeah, be yeah. like a skier, snowboarder, yeah, yeah. avid adventurer person. And so I think actually like that's a really interesting place to start because <laughs> Like, from a personality standpoint, he spikes high in, like, independence, adventure-seeking, like, ownership, right? Because you're out there. Basically, all you got is yourself. And, you know, if I were to think about his philosophy in building his team, that's what he looks for. And, like, He's like independence. Ownership, Funny. yeah, totally. Yeah. Can you start by telling us about that? Like, about just being a fucking mountaineer? Like, how it all, how it how it how it intersects yeah do you mind faith because i, no, I don't this know is if you great. know this okay. well and i mostly i maybe we can start the story with why you've withheld this information from me for it's not relevant he's, he's a professional <laughs> he's it, it it's not relevant and, I, and, I, and my friends who do know about it they make fun of me when i bring it up okay like occasionally i'll be like oh yeah like that time when i was in wyoming and it'll be like they'll like roll their eyes and be like oh tell, like here's another story about how a moose attacked you <laughs> you know, and so, so I might become very self-conscious about it. Going back to it, Tasia, it's pretty rare that anyone brings this up as like that foreshadowed what I do now, um, and like the values I learned then, like impact the way I think about teams now. So it's it's pretty rare that actually like people would like draw that parallel. But you're absolutely right. Like, and Tasia and I have talked about this not on the podcast, obviously, but like. I like living in environments where like there's a lot of things that can kill mm. you. Mm-hmm. I, think it, I think it forces you to like think differently about like how you behave, how you interact, who you trust, how you try like, trusting yourself, right? Like I've had several, I had several instances back in those days where like I would be with a friend and we would be like in the back country and like the weather would turn and like a binding would break, you know, in a ski. And like you kind of look at each other and it's like, okay, well, we're going to die. Like if we don't like solve this problem, we're going to like be dead because like it's getting dark, whatever. And, and it, 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 Tasia, it it has impacted like how I think about the team. Like I want to hire people who I can trust to be autonomous and to like have it be in a stressful situation and make good decisions and not let the decision or like not let the weight of the consequence like affect the decision making. So yeah, it's it's like 
like you think about the, that like my old life it was like getting down was generally the goal and like everyone knew that that was the goal and if you know people on the gun sales team know that their goal is to you know bring in lots and lots of clients throughout bound or like really really understand they're in like a client success role like what makes our clients tick and what makes them successful and like that's very clear then like they if we hire the right people they will make the right decisions to make sure that happens and my job then becomes like kind of coaching them through it if there's something they haven't encountered before or to be a sounding board or to like just share some of my experiences but not be prescriptive in telling them what to do like they know the goal mm. like i have to be able to trust them to like deliver it yeah which is really no different from like during that time period i was mountain biking in moab in august it was 115 degrees my rear derailleur broke and i was like six miles away from anything and i was like i'm gonna die and i like had to like <laughs> fix like i like jerry rigged my bike to a single speed to get out right and like i don't need people that has that happen and they panic like that's not the people i want on the team Sorry, that's that's a yeah. little too close. Like, I don't mean like equivocate the no, two that's, completely. No, but, that's like, good. That's that helps inform it. No. And I think it, it like your your management strategy is a lot like that. Like you and Tasia have this in common where like someone will mess up, and your response is like, "Well, no one died. You fucked up. Oh, right? Okay. We're not we're not doing brain surgery." <laughs> Or, you fucked up how dare you no right well i mean it's that right it's like you know being accountable but also I'm like because i i think because we hire people who take their work so seriously like it's helpful for you to have that perspective ben like i'm not six miles away from yeah. water and 100 degrees you know yeah i'm not gonna lose a hand totally and that's honestly i mean that's what really struck me about ben when we first met was like how much ownership he took um for when there were let's say you know it's like a simple like oh hey you know this there's a typo in this thing or hey you know we're not starting this initiative yet and he's like listen i got it i'm gonna do it i'm stoked about it we're gonna get it done and mm -hmm. it's like that tendency probably comes from like being in those situations and maybe being attracted to those situations where he knows that he's it's it's incumbent upon himself to solve the situation, mm -hmm. you know, and, and I think he, he's done. And same with you, Faith. I mean, you're so involved in the company's hiring process. Like you guys have done an awesome job of bringing in people who have those values. Well, Ben, today's a like very relevant day to talk to you about sales hiring because we, as of 8 a.m., just announced our Series A raise, which, you know, part of that process is going to be building out some really high impact roles on the team at large, specifically our sales team, which has uh, traditionally been very, very light. So it's, you know, I, you're like in the headspace already of like, okay, how do I think about scaling the sales team? How do I identify like the metrics that are going to tell me, you know, not only if someone's successful in the role, but also how I know that they were successful in previous roles and how I can use that to measure their their potential here. So I guess to start, like, let's just get square on the problem. Like people struggle with sales hiring. And mm -hmm. if you had to summarize, why do you think that is like what makes sales hiring Ooh. so hard? 
That is, man, I wish I had a better answer or the perfect answer, Faith. Um, I think, I think what makes, okay. <laughs> I think what makes it hard is, is sort of, I, I don't want to say antiquated, but I, like, like the prevailing attitude about what sales is makes it difficult to hire for sales. So what are those like prevailing attitudes? I've been in many, many situations as a candidate where I, I happen to be, you know, articulate enough, intelligent enough, very outgoing, very extroverted. And that is perceived as, you know, being high functioning, being a highly successful salesperson. I would argue that those things don't mean anything. It may make me fun to be around at a bar sometimes, but it doesn't necessarily make me like a better salesperson. And I think people struggle because they have a hard time. There's this idea of like uh, a Willie Loman type character or, you know, the, the really friendly guy at the car dealership or whoever it is. And it's really, those people are like good, they're not great. And what makes great salespeople, and this is, I think, the thing that the hump that we all got to get over is that they like are extremely persistent and diligent in the day to day. So one of the things that we're implementing, and Tej and I talked about this yesterday, is like a weekly report of like, here's our activity. Like, are we doing the right things every single day? Right? So it's this extreme persistence, extreme diligence, but it's also like having a process, right? That makes sense. And Faith, you're very familiar with this, like our deal stages, but it's also like the discipline to follow it through. And a lot of salespeople may be really charismatic. They may be really outgoing. They may be very extroverted, but they don't have like the diligence to follow through. And they don't like, they can't like run a play in their head while they're working, right? So they can't think about like, they can't like remove themselves or put space between them and the client and think through, okay, here is this objection. How do I overcome it? Or I don't really know what the, the buying process is for this client. I'm really going to dig into that and I'm going to ask questions that may feel uncomfortable. Like, are you the one signing the contract? Like, where are you in the high? Like, we've, gone, we've talked about this as a company, but like, hey, Mr. Prospect, where are you in like, your hiring cycle for this position. Did you post it a month ago? Did you post it six months ago? Like, let's talk about like your process and what's going on. So I think, I think the struggle is people try to line up what like society tells them is good at sales with what like they maybe intuitively know makes someone good at sales. If that makes sense. Yeah. That leads us really well into a discussion on evaluation, right? Because if the antithesis of sales hiring evaluation is looking for people who are outgoing and good conversationalists, et cetera, I guess the, the correct answer would be like, you know, we use qualitative and quantitative metrics Mm -hmm. and things that we've decided ahead of time before we actually start that evaluation process to then vet candidates. So I'm curious, like, and Tasia, feel free to jump in whenever, but I'm curious about like what kind of metrics you -hmm. look for when you're vetting candidates that aren't just like, can they hold a conversation? Do I think they they could (laughs) sell me their left shoe, you know? So the the thing I rely on the most is, is generally an industrial organizational psychology referred to as work sample test. And coincidentally enough, coincidentally enough, uh, David G., 
who vets all our developers on the platform does this takes the same approach. So if you want to be a developer on gun.io and you have an interview with him, the interview isn't about your philosophy around code. I mean, I'm sure he covers some of that, but like the real crux of it is he has you walk, he has the candidate walk them through a project and their code and explain why they made the decisions they did, right? And like why they put it together this way and why they decided to work on that thing. And I do the real, I, I do the same thing for sales. And generally what that means is if you're a candidate for a job, you are selling yourself, right? So I'm looking for, are they checking a couple of different boxes? Are they asking, are they genuinely curious about gun.io, what we do? Are they curious about the team and the teams, the sales team's goals and what they're going to, the standards that we have? And are they curious about me personally or anyone they're interviewing with at the company? And like the problems that we have and how they can solve them, right? So like I'm looking for them to kind of, because if they know those things, they can then position themselves to have an honest conversation about where they fit in or where they may struggle even, right? And so I'm Mm -hmm. looking, I kind of, you know, the great thing about sales is that when you're interviewing for a job, you're selling yourself and I get to actually see their work sample test like right in front of me. Like I'm on the receiving end of it. You know, like a really bad sign is someone coming in and I'm like, oh, like, do you have any questions for me? And they're like, not really, but here's a rundown of my resume. Well, that person's <laughs> going to get on the phone with their prospect and just talk about how great Gun is without knowing anything about the prospect. And they're not going to close anything. Right? Right. So, like, that's, that's like, how I'm approaching it with really all our roles, um, particularly for, mm-hmm. like, AEs, um, client success folks, and even SDRs. I have, a, I have a SDR right. interview, I think, in 20 minutes. So nice. we'll see what they do. Well, kind of kind of on that note, like, I think a lot of folks that are listening to this are probably in similar shoes as us, right? They're smaller teams. They're trying to be really judicious with how they spend to make sure that there's kind of an ROI with every dollar. And obviously, that's what we're going through right now. So I'm curious if you could walk us through, like, how do we decide from a sales perspective and keeping mm-hmm. in mind we are a services-based business, yep. how do we decide who to hire? Who like what kinds of roles are gonna have that impact for us? Uh, thanks to your work, Faith. We <laughs> we've been successful in that, like with inbound, we don't like the company to date has done really well with inbound, right? And and so we haven't really hired for skills like prospecting. We've never really hired, I think in the past, maybe we've hired some SDRs, but they didn't work out. We haven't really hired anyone in client success because for the most part, the community is sort of taking care of that. We, we have a very strong product, so we haven't really needed client success. And I think to answer your question about what we're hiring kind of for now, for that next step, it's like, well, we do need to have people that have skills more along prospecting and outbound reach out and those types of things. We do need to hire people that are familiar and can set up a client success function to, to deepen our relationships with our existing clients, right? And to grow with them and to ensure that as they grow, we grow along with them, right? So like what we're looking to hire is really in those areas, not necessarily because what we have now isn't getting it done, it is, but we need to diversify a little bit and we have to get a little bit more niche in who we're going after and 
and going back to being a small company, like, you know, we're at the stage where we're fortunate enough to do that. Like the balance sheet is strong, the business model is there, right? Like it's time for us to sort of like diversify our customer acquisition um, strategies and and hire specialists who can do those things. And I'm curious to get Tasia to weigh in on this too, because obviously Tasia has been operating this business for a decade and has done so, you know, in a really kind of lightweight way across all teams, yeah. but, you know, sales specifically included. And so he's kind of, I mean, I have this experience too, you know, trying to grow the marketing team. Tasia is super open to getting pitched on team growth, um, yes. but it's like, rightly so, you know, very kind of tough to convince that like we need to scale teams. So like, it's not an easy feat to say, you know, I think we need to hire an SDR or a team of BDRs or account management and just kind of snap your fingers and have that be so. Um, There's kind of a lot of back work involved. And it's a question of like, well, how do you prove out? Like Tasia's question is always going to be like, well, what is this person going to drive for us? Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's kind of hard to have an answer ready for that when we haven't had anyone do that full time. Um, so how do we kind of manage that on the sales team? Tasia, is that wanna, for me? Yeah. Do you want to take a shot at that one? And I can, cause we, cause we went through this process together. So yeah. You know, so I think, I think the experience probably differs depending on what team you're leading with my encouragement around hiring or lack of encouragement around hiring. <laughs> I think Ben has received a lot of encouragement from me. Yeah, yeah. hiring. <laughs> yeah. And, um, you know, I think the best we can do without ever having done any of these activities at scale is to at least have a working model that has some assumptive inputs on what we expect in terms of performance and cost. And then we can, you know, make sure that lines up with the way we want to spend the money. And generally, like, given where we are today, it, it probably makes sense to ramp. And I, I don't know, I, I like to think I'm not that tough when it when it comes to <laughs> approving hires, you know? Um, well, it's just different. It's, you know, it's different than what you would have working at like an Amazon, where it's like, well, we have this, we have a headcount ed- edition of like 10 slated for this year. So the conversation is much different than us, where like we grow in a really agile way where quarter yeah. over quarter, our needs are going to be different. We don't have a set head count because maybe we need to hire 100 people. Maybe we have to hire zero people. And that's kind of all on the table, just depending yeah. on how we, we structure the case, you know? To- totally. So maybe I can share a little bit about like capital deployment philosophy when it comes to hiring well. So it's like we're a really small team and the level, we have a nice balance sheet, but the level of money that we have to go against any specific growth plan is going to be less probably than a large old school staffing firm or recruiting company. Right. And so like we have to have a model that in relative terms is going to be way better ROI. Right. That means we have to actually hire better, like at the individual level, they have to be directed better. They have to be managed better. And that's the only way we can take market share and grow faster and start to create like gaps between us and other companies. And so I think that like, I think the philosophy that you and 
Ben have for your teams around like being really judicious with the use of funds while scaling is like, it makes sense for our stage of business. That's trying to get to, you know, uh, the next step in size and scale. And so, you know, it's not sufficient for us to like copy and paste an inbound or an outbound strategy from another company. We have to do it better than them. Right. right? We have to. Uh, mm -hmm. to be able to continue to grow and continue to be the capital efficient business that we've been. Right. So, Ben, if someone's listening to this, especially kind of your introduction into sales hiring and they're like, shit, it turns out I'm really bad at sales hiring, um, which I think, you know, probably a lot of folks feel, whether it's mm -hmm. in feedback, like you know, people I hire turn over really fast or I spend three months on a hiring cycle and I know I could be more efficient than that. Um, or I keep hiring the wrong kinds of people and they're doing yep. a great job, but it's not delivering benefit. Like what advice? Can Go I, ahead, Tasha. This is, so we tried to scale our sales team before and, and I can give you a postmortem on why it wasn't successful. <laughs> it wasn't successful because we did not have somebody like Ben being able to quickly assess success in the role and have the tenacity to quickly offboard people who were not having success in the role. And instead, we almost took like a codependent posture when we were like, hey, it's us. They're not managed well, this and that, right? And maybe that's true, but we had pretty clear targets. We just weren't following through on building a process to continue to bring in good SDRs, good account managers, good AEs, and make sure that people were performing like once they were onboarded. And I think that's the magic of having somebody like Ben you know, we think back to his level of ownership and what he looks for in his team is that like, as a, as an exec, Ben is not just thinking about like getting people in, he's thinking about managing them and offboarding them if they are not performing. And like that repeated process of growth, you know, change growth again, that's what builds a good sales team over time. So I'm not actually convinced that like offboarding somebody in three months is like so bad. It's right. like, you have to have that because we will hire poorly. Every company does. You just right. have to have the tenacity to you know, make the decision when that happens. Like you have to know what good looks like to you, right? And so Tasia mentioned the yes. model earlier. Um, I, I'll use a very specific example. We hired a new AE um, two, three months ago. She was, I, I would argue she was kind of a non-traditional hire in terms of background. Yeah. But when we put together this model for the sales team, I. I used my kind of best guess based on my experience of what her ramp should be. And the great news is she's hitting it, right? But like, I wasn't shy about what her ramp goals were. I think a lot of times sales leaders, to Tasia's point, they kind of adopt that codependent relationship. And it's like, hey, come in. Like uh, This happened to me early in my sales career. It's like, hey, come in, just really do the best you can. We'll talk in three months, you know? Mm -hmm. And, and it finally right. took, um, and thankfully I was like self-motivated enough and like figured it out. But like, I had a boss who came in several years later, who sat me down in a room. He's still by today. He's still a mentor today. And he was like, let's talk about how much money you want to make. And let's talk about how much you want your, how you want your career to progress. And let's just do the math. And like, I, no one had ever done that. It it's embarrassing to admit, but no one had ever done that with me. 
right? And so now when, especially we bring on someone who's on the revenue production side of things, it's like, hey, here's what we expect. Like there's no ambiguity. Right. Right. Now my job is to help you get there. And I'll be honest, anyone who I've ever let go, I've let go because they lacked activity, not because they lacked results. Like someone who's like, has a lot of activity and is like willing to learn and willing to be coached. And if I've screened correctly, they'll get there. They may be a little slower mm. to ramp, but they'll get there. Um, and usually they end up like having this like weird, like exponential curve. Like, like there's like nothing, nothing, nothing. And then they just like fly up. But yet you, ha- you, like, you just have to be very clear. And that the codependent thing is a great word because it's like, hey, this is just what we expect. Like this is right. like this is non-negotiable. Now our job is to help you get there, but you gotta like we can't lead a horse to water. Yeah, and if it's clear, then everybody knows. You know, yeah. after three months, it's not a surprise that you know that the performance isn't there. If you could kind of determine how every company in the world did sales hiring, what would that look like? super high level what are what are the bullet points mm-hmm. that should exist in that sales hiring process and this can kind of double as advice for those those hirers who aren't confident when it comes to sales hiring so i mean i can tell you the the things i look for in a hiring process yeah so like these are like people who are talking to clients right trying to close and this i ripped this off i can't take credit for it but hubspot actually in the early days this big test on the traits they were interviewing for and assessing for and number one to to the cro's surprise was curiosity so like Mm -hmm. i want highly highly i want people that like i want dilettantes i want people that like they may not know much about you know drones but if you own a drone company and you're talking to them they are going to just they're going to learn everything they can about your business right so that's number one and i think that I think a lot of salespeople just aren't curious. They're just going to go through the motions. I think the other thing, and this is a big one for me, and it may be less for other people that have really robust training programs and really big teams, but I want people who are self-accountable. And so the way I screen for that is I ask them, I ask them about something they wanted to improve per, um, personally or professionally, and I have them walk me through how they did it. And the best answers always have like several things in common. One is um, they used data to like know they were getting better. Two is they relied on outside expertise, whether that's you know going to YouTube, reading a book, whatever. Three is they developed some sort of accountability in their community around it. So they got like a spouse, they got like a coworker, even their boss. They they like created a community. And four is they understood that the process always wouldn't deliver the outcomes they wanted and they were able to adjust. Right. Right. So those like self accountability is huge for me because I want someone that I don't want to be watching their numbers all the time. I want them watching their numbers all the time. That makes sense. Right. And lastly, they got to be like somewhat competitive. Like they have to like want to win in some capacity and that can manifest itself in different ways. Like, you know, Keisha does jujitsu, I raise bikes, Faith, you teach a cycling class, right? Like <laughs> we all have like these things that we're trying to get better at and trying to improve on. And I've yet to meet a, meet a salesperson that that isn't at least somewhat competitive. 
I feel like this is probably true for you too, Ben, because I've spent kind of a lot of time. There's a lot of crossover, obviously, with sales and marketing and kind of when we hand things off. And so yeah. I've spent a lot of time over the last four years thinking about the, the customer experience when they sign up for Gun.io. What is it that they're coming here looking for and what do we deliver? And as a result, I've gotten super critical of other people's sales processes. Do you feel that way as well? Like, how, like yes. thinking about this all the time and kind of thinking about like how to measure performance salespeople. Do you find yourself being more critical? Yeah. And, and I'll tell them a lot of times. I mean, Tasia saw this <laughs> yesterday. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. I, yeah. There's a company that I introduced to Ben and we won't we won't mention the company. We won't but. mention the company. And look, I'm going to hear the guy out, but but you know, he's like, "Hey, Tasia sent me to talk to you blah blah blah." And I was like, "Well, look, man, last time I last time I like entertained you guys as a vendor, it was a horrible experience. And like not only did the product not deliver, but your sales process I found to be just almost offensive." <laughs> like so so like not not only faith will I like notice it but like if they come back at me or if they like approach me and they ask me what i think i'm going to tell them yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and like and i hope they change i mean i feel like that's the only way you get better right and like here's the thing that i actually respect the person who emailed tasia and then me because i sent that and then they responded with hey i hear you like some things have changed ask me some clarifying like he's like He's doing the right thing. He's not shying away from that. He's addressing it. So I think I'm talking to him Friday now. <laughs> but well, that's good, right? Because you you called it out as like a critical skill of salespeople is like they can't shy away from difficult conversations, and yeah. and I think that's kind of a, a great way to test it. Well, Ben, I feel like there's some golden nuggets in here for both like salespeople looking for their next role, but also people who are charged with hiring salespeople and kind of ways that they can create structure around what otherwise kind of feels like a pile of very chaotic resumes that they need to, they need we to have lots so. of, we have, we have a big pile right now, Faith. Thank you for your help yeah. with that, by the way. Yeah, what are the takeaways? So the takeaways seem to be work sample, look for a work sample, yep. then indexes highly on three qualities, curiosity, competitiveness, and diligence. Self-accountability, yeah. And to, to identify those traits up front, because a lot of folks oh. will kind of fall back on this shtick of like, oh, a salesperson should be salesy when really <laughs> the traits that you're looking for are not being salesy. It's not extroversion. Yeah, it's right. not extroversion. Exactly. Some of the best people I've hired have been introverts. And I've gotten out of that interview. Totally. And, I was, yeah. and I was like, I would never be friends with this person. And then like, if I met him on the street, <laughs> it'd be like, uh, nice to see you. See you later. But they like you listen to their sales call and they crush it. It's interesting. I mean, you know, one thing is um, Tyler and I have both been and Faith, too. Like we've all been uh, at the tip of the spear from a sales standpoint. And I would say Tyler's probably a little bit more introverted than mm -hmm. us. And I'm maybe a little bit more introverted than you two. Right. Um, and I think, you know, I do think that it probably takes more energy to be on a sales call if you're not highly extroverted, like it's more draining. But I, but to your point, I think if you have the discipline to like overcome that, it's not a big deal. 
but they have to they have to index highly on accountability then right and be like mm-hmm. hey i'm gonna get this done because it is harder it's harder to get on the phone for six well, it's hours more draining yeah like 100%. the ener- energy is yeah. just less yeah I, and, I'll, and i'll say one more point which is maybe to go meta if you want to hire a sales leader who hires sales people you know uh you know one thing that seems to have worked for us and i think is working for ben is that like at our company we really like people who spike in some sort of uh independence self-ownership accountability and i think ben's story about being a mountaineer uh in wyoming and montana and you know i'm not even it's like whatever personality trait you had ben that made you go out there to be reliant yeah. on yourself and then you cultivated and developed by being there that's like that's what has led you to have so much success in your career and you know build building the team here and same with you faith i mean right you you've done so much like through tfa and through having your own business and like you know i don't know like your house projects so <laughs> there there are like things that show up in a non-professional context yeah that i think are attractive well it's it's whole person hiring right like yes. you have to understand you know who they are as a whole person and the only way you can get to that is you know talk to me about life outside work yeah i mean the the second ae we hired is like a she's a strong woman athlete. yeah she's a power lifter like, yeah. <laughs> which we didn't know pounds. we hired her yeah. yeah we didn't know which is that's not me i should have known i knew in the first <laughs> week but hey in my, in my book the hiring process doesn't end when you get hired it lasts exactly forever. exactly Well, Ben, we're obviously very lucky to have you here building up the oh, sales team. Um, for for listeners, you can find Ben everywhere on the interwebs, um, Twitter. I know that you you are there. Um, if you're interested in working with Gun.io, joining Ben's team, you can find us at Gun.io. Uh, and then our, our jobs are always posted on our LinkedIn page. But if you think you are a fit on the team, you don't see a job that fits your your skills, shoot us an email. We're always happy to chat. So yeah, have a have a bias towards action, reaching out because I'll always respect that. All right, you guys. Well, Ben, you got to jump for an interview, actually. So hopefully, this yeah. is a good pregame for it. <laughs> yeah, All right. I, we'll go, be hoping myself hire really some accountable. Awesome salespeople. <laughs> All right, thanks, Faith. Thanks, Tasia. All right, bye, guys. Thanks for listening to the Frontier Podcast powered by Gun.io. We drop two episodes per week. So if you like this episode, be sure to subscribe on your platform of choice and come hang out with us again next week and bring all your internet friends. If you have questions or recommendations, just shoot us a Twitter DM at the Frontier Pod and we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to the Frontier Podcast, produced by Gun.io. We're the only freelancing platform where engineers actually go to hire other engineers. If you want to learn more about how to hire or freelance with us, head over to Gun.io and get in touch. Let us know you heard the podcast, and we'll pay for your first 10 hours with a kick-ass engineer.